Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes, when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times. I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. All right, here we go. This is episode 14, by God, of the Operator uh, I am Robert J. O'Neill. Thank you for joining me. And I wanted to say that I truly appreciate your feedback and thank you for listening. I've had people tell me on social media at McHuya that they listen to my podcast and they appreciate it. And I'm actually, uh, I'm to the point where I'm taking, I, I, I honestly read your comments, most of the comments so on Twitter, not so much because again, even though Elon Musk has taken over, um, it, uh, there's still the bots and there's still the really hateful and mean people. And I've been shot at before and haven't had my feelings hurt like I have on Twitter, but I check them and, uh, I appreciate it. Like I said, um, I'm asking what you want to talk about. The Tuesday elections are over, which means no more voting. God knows how long it's going to take to find a winner because lawsuits started getting filed right off the bat, even before they started. <laughs> and that's always, it's always a fun process, but I've, I've heard less politics Please, more military, more sea stories. And I, I, I want to do that. Believe me, I want to get away from politics. I mean, I can explain it quite a bit due to my experience, what I read, what I listen to. For some weird reason, I've always been doing that. I remember on my first deployment with SEAL Team 2, um, I was reading books on every uh, type of politics, talking heads on television, trying to learn more about it. That's, you know, that's where I kind of got introduced to everything and, and just... I just like the ideas of some of the stuff, and I, I do get into politics. But, and you can't help it now if you're on social media. It's gets, it gets political. But like I said, I do want to do less politics and more fun stuff, more cool stuff. That's why we call it the Operator Podcast, because I was an operator in the military. The military's over. Now I'm an operator as far as business stuff, uh, apparel, if you will, um, speaking engagements, running LLCs, paying a lot of taxes. I'm an operator now doing that. You are an operator now with whatever you're doing. And so operator to operator, we do have to talk about stuff. Not always politics. We are familiar with, with what's happening. Um, also, though, now, now for, for people that are interested in the military or veterans who are there or people who want to go in the military, you got to also figure I have other listeners that told me that they enjoy the podcast until I start talking about guns and ballistics and I lose them because not everyone's interested in... Um, in ballistics and stuff like that, or, or gear, but a lot of guys are interested in gear. I like to talk about that. The evolution of gear, what I saw while I was in the military, everything from because I went to Aircrew Survival Equipment School, which is short for a PR, Parachute Rigger, or as my uh, other friends in the Airedale department would, would uh, lovingly call us a uh, stitch bitch, um, I knew how to sew, so when I first got to SEAL Team 2, my job, by the time I checked into my platoon after, or even before I got my trident, my job was to sew, take the lower uh, pockets off of a, like we called them a blouse, or, 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 or uh, soldiers and Marines call it a blouse, I think, take those off of everyone's, um, uh, to actually take the, the top two small pockets, the bottom two small pockets off completely, which means take the little stitches out like they couldn't fucking figure it out, and then move the tall pockets up to the top but sew them inboard so that when we're wearing what we would call H gear or they call web gear, the old school Vietnam stuff, they could still reach in their pockets to grab whatever the shit you're keeping in there and then sew the, the other pockets on the shoulders and then also sew a strobe light pouch. So my job was to sew 
Um, and I don't even know where I'm going with this, but that's that's something I did. I, I watched gear. Uh, it actually became cool to know how to sew because you could fix your own gear, sew your own shit. And that's actually some of the guys that left some of the commands went and started places that uh, make gear now for uh, for soldiers, for airmen, marines, and for guys who go to the range and just like to do tactical shit, which is great. Um, they, you know, they they took that and they made it into something which it is now. So I'll be happy to talk about the evolution of gear. Um, but don't want to get too much into it again because I want to have a wide variety uh, of an audience, and I love feedback. We're all operators doing our own thing. We will have to talk politics eventually because you're not getting away from it, but we'll get into that um, towards the end of this one. At first, I want to go... Uh, well, I posted that picture of me. The picture that I posted where I said I want your feedback, and I talked hunting in the last episode, number 13. I told the story of my first bull elk, and you can't see this if you're listening, but if you're watching on YouTube, look at I found. So I'm holding that uh, Guns and Hunting magazine that came out. I got to look here. I want to say, yeah, January 1993, Guns and Hunting magazine. That's the one that my father and I were in, um, and that's the picture I posted before. But today I put up, uh, a picture when I think I was a senior, so that would have been the hunting season of 1993. Um, well, so whatever. The, the magazine is definitely 93. The other one happened at some point. Uh, so that must have been when I was a senior, and I killed a bull elk by myself, and I posted a picture thinking you guys would think, oh, Neil's not full of shit. He has done stuff. But instead, uh, you fucked with me about look at Mukuya. Look at my Instagram, and it's a picture of me with, uh, I want to say, a 1991 or 92 Silverado truck. And I got a six-by-six-point six six bull elk in the back. You can see the tag. I tagged the damn thing, and no one was proud of me. None of you guys, fuckers, were proud of me. It was more of a, um, did you kill the guy that gave you that haircut? Which, I mean, I'm in high school, man. I mean, I either go to Cost Cutters or we had a, a beauty academy uptown Butte, Montana, where you could go. It would take a while, but you know how they, I, when barbers or beauticians or whomever, they start off with um, cutting the hair on the dolls. Eventually, they need a live subject. You could get it done for free if you wanted to go and sit in the chair, and I probably did that. I'm saving a buck or two. For crying out loud, I'm in high school, and I work at McDonald's. Uh, and also, you made fun of my camouflage. Like. I'm wearing a ski jacket and an orange vest, and they asked me if uh, when I was going back to 1985, because obviously I got there in a DeLorean, because, you know, like Michael J. Fox and actually one of the greatest franchises ever, uh, Back to the Future. That's the, that's that funny joke, too, that, that uh, you know, we talk about football. I used to have a team in the NFL. I love it. One of my favorite jokes was, and I may, if I told it before, just bear with me, they say, um, what's the difference between a Chicago Bears fan and Marty McFly? eventually Marty McFly stops going back to 1985, which is pretty funny. So, yeah, you made fun, you know, you're asking me how I got that, you know, how, how did I sneak up on an elk with it? You're wearing orange, man. You have to wear orange when you're hunting with a rifle. And you don't wear orange because um, you're wearing orange not because of yourself or the elk, because someone else is out there as dumb as you are, and they might shoot you. Hopefully they don't shoot at orange. I've seen people shoot at sound. Uh, you know, weird shit like that. Always be sure of your target and what's past it. Anyway, I'm wearing orange. I got the ski jacket on, and you guys just dick with me. And I had, I was wearing an Orlando Magic hat. Like I still played basketball. I had yet to go to college. I was gonna play there. As far as I knew, I was gonna be in the NBA. Little did I know at the time. I could have used a time machine. The NBA, NBA was all stocked up. Their limit was full, just like my tag was full. The NBA's limit was full on on six foot tall white guys who can't jump. So I didn't make it to the NBA. Uh, but, but but like Shaq, I think, was just there. And they you know that was when the Orlando Magic got the number one pick in the lottery. And the next year, they got the number one pick in the lottery. Like, they got Shaq, who is a complete badass, always has been. And then Penny Hardaway and Fernie Hardaway, too. Not Anthony, and Fernie Hardaway. Penny Hardaway, one of the most underrated um, NBA players of all time. The guy was exciting to watch. They got two number one picks, Shaq and Penny. And they were going to be a dynasty. So everyone, especially like me from Montana, we don't have pro teams um, you're allowed to like anyone. We all jumped on the bandwagon. I mean, it was in between, you know, obviously the Bulls are playing and the Bulls are great in Jordan, you know, but uh, you pick up a magic hat to pretend you're not jumping on the the bandwagon. But that, you know, that's my hunting stuff. We'll, we'll tell some more hunting stories too. Um, I'm going to get up to Butte, Montana. I don't have guests yet, but when I start to get guests, I'm going to go up there for a number of reasons. The group of guys I used to hunt with, uh, there is a story in The Way Forward, 
um, the book, it's behind me on the, that shoulder. If, if I'm, you can just hear me talking, then it's, assume I'm pointing over my left shoulder. Um, the Way Forward, Dakota Meyer and I wrote it, uh, Medal of Honor recipient Marine. Got to tell some stories about that, but there's a hunting story where I went to the Powder River, which is the Serengeti of Montana, southeast Montana on the Powder River, biggest damn uh, whitetail and mealy bucks anywhere, and then you will run into elk. I'm going to get into that when I go to Montana and uh, interview people. Uh, it's in the book. It's way better when my friends tell it. You don't know them yet, but you will. So I want to do a butte trip, get up there, interview Montana people. I get asked more stories, too, about they, someone said tell more Tim Montana stories. And Tim Montana, um, he's, a, he's a kick-ass musician, uh, country rock, great beard, great attitude most of the time. Um, and they were asking me more about Tim Montana stories. <laughs> What's funny about Tim is, is he's, well, he's went to school in Butte, Montana, from Butte, Montana, but he lived in a place called Elk Park right outside of Montana. And um, he didn't have running water. They had an outhouse. They used an outhouse. I'm going to interview him. Great guy. He's in Nashville now. Tim Montana, check his music out. Um, American Dream right now is my favorite song. But I was in the video for uh, Hillbilly Rich. All good songs. I don't know why he's not selling out stadiums. But he's from there. And uh, I want him to tell the story, but I'll I'll never forget. He's a bit younger than me. But the story about him was no running water outhouse. And there was a bus, a school bus, driven by the Soligob family. And I went to school with Cindy Soligob. Her family drove this bus from Elk Park. So all the dudes, young girls, young men, young boys, the boys and girls from Elk Park would take the short bus into Butte. And they would either go to Butte Central, where I went, or Butte High, where Tim went. And Tim said he was a... he said he's an ugly redhead. I don't buy it. Redheads are just ridiculously good looking. But he would take the short bus to Butte High, and there's a there is a bunch of tough kids there. You're going to get in a fight. He got off the short bus with a guitar, so he got in some fights. Uh, we'll get some Tim Montana stories too. That was actually requested on Instagram. Um, people want you know the hunting thing. Obviously the the um, the Butte food, the Butte Montana food. I've I've dropped I've dropped the uh, the pork chop a bunch of different times. I mentioned the wop chop um, in. When I did a special on Fox News with with uh, the White House's Peter Ducey, great hair. He's got a he's got. There's an Instagram and Twitter page I think that follows Peter Ducey's hair. But I talk about the pork chop sandwiches. It's it's a it's a fried boneless pork chop that's been beaten, and what, you know they they serve them a few places. One of them is uh, uh, the wop chop, and it's because they would hit it with a thing tenderizing it, and people would hear it, and it would go wop 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 chop uh, at Muzzin Stands Freeway. If you're driving through. Butte, Montana, on I-90, which goes across. I think it goes from New York to Washington, but it crosses Butte right around I-15, which goes um, north and south. There's a place called Muzzin Stands Freeway, uh, right right off the highway. If you're going from Missoula to Bozeman, Butte's in the middle. And uh, Butte's not a pretty place. Butte actually looks like it's people. You're going to stop. You're going to have fun. You'll have a few drinks. You might get in a fight. Get a wop chop. Trust me, they're delicious. Get cheese on it and then try the, the uh, spicy mustard. The other one, the other, well, there's two locations for John's Pork Chop. And again, it's apples and oranges, both delicious. Um, John's Pork Chop, they're, they're, they're uh, more of a lunch crowd type crew. Um, they, don't serve, um, they don't serve booze unless you're like, you know the guy working and they you know, hand you a little snort in between pork nuggets. Mm. And then you have your choice, obviously, between ranch and barbecue with those. John's Pork Chop, Muzzle Stands Freeway. Um, the Derby for steaks, Uptown Cafe's got great, uh, great stuff. There's a new one out by the Copper King, Burt Mooney Airport. Uh, I don't fly into Burt Mooney Airport anymore because only one airline flies there, and I have been banned from them. So I do not fly Delta and never will again. But uh, um, what's cool about Butte, though, is it, it's like a bubble, and the food's amazing, but people don't realize how amazing the food in Butte is, but they also don't realize once they leave town that you don't need to put gravy on Everything. <laughs> I love Butte. Food's amazing. People are great. Um, and, uh, you know, good sense of humor. Mining town. Love it up there. Um, so we, we got into the hunting a little bit, and I got asked my favorite gun. I need to talk just a teeny bit about it. I'm not going to get into ballistics because, God forbid, I get into that. That's another thing, too, that if you get too much into guns, and I'm not being a smart ass, someone is better than you. Someone knows more about it than you. As the operator to an operator, I sort of dumb it down. I was fortunate to start off. I mean, I shot a 30 six at first, 
my father, Tom, and I, Tom, my dad, Tom O'Neill, and I switched to 300 Winchester Magnum, 300 Win Mag, favorite gun to this day. Um, just because, I mean, you, you can get everything with it. You can, my dad's killed a huge ass Kodiak bears and Russian bears with that huge moose. And then elk, obviously, is the go to for us. Uh, 300 Win Mag with um, eight, 180 grain, 180 grain uh, bullets, 300 Win Mag is the way I go with it. And the way that I dumb it down for myself is, all right. I mean, they can shoot over a thousand meters with a 300 Win Mag. I wouldn't recommend trying that shit. I mean, obviously, when I'm telling the story of when I killed my elk, 1500 meters, no problem in high wind. You know, not a lot of guys could have made that shot. I wasn't one of them, but that's the story. But you got to figure with something like a 100, a 180 grain bullet. If you when you and when it gets out to 500 yards, it's still going 0.6 seconds. It, it gets to 500 yards in in six tenths of a second. You're gonna be fine. Uh, so everyone always asks about where you zero it in. You want to try to find what they call your uh, your point blank zero, uh, and then just Google that stuff, seeing where people want to zero, and you'll get everything from 25, 50 meters, 100 meters. They want to zero at a thousand. Um, I'm a big believer in make sure your wind is good, so sight that bitch in at 25. And, and you know your, your wind really doesn't affect it at 25, but it will eventually. 25 yards, and then just you're getting into, um, you're getting into it, throwing the football thing. Where do you want to hit? And, and the way I dumb it down again is you get your 25-yard your zero, and then see where you're hitting. Go out. You know, get a range finder. We, you can get them at any pro shop. Uh, find out how your range. See where you're hitting at 100, where you're hitting at 2, where you're hitting at 3. That's as far as you should be shooting pretty much anyway. And, you know, like I said, unless we're at a bar later, and I, I nailed that son of a bitch. Um, and then uh, you want to get your cold bore shot, which means you shoot the next day. And the way that I would figure it is with an elk, you got like um, 15 inches of play for a kill shot, 15 inches on the chest. Don't take a headshot unless you're a sniper, which I am. Uh, or, uh, you know, 8 inches to 10 inches with a deer. So you're kind of working in that, the fatal funnel area. And uh, get your zero. You know, do play with it. Take it out, see where it's hitting. Uh, take a milk carton one day. If you hit the milk carton, you kill the elk. Pretty much, uh, rangefinder works. Is, you know, you want to know your distance. The further you get out, the the more room for uh, or less room for error there is, and then you start getting into the windage, which it affects. And then if the animal's moving, but uh, get the most important thing is know your range. And also, if you can get mill dots in a scope, <clears throat> um, know where your holds are. Know where you're hitting. Milk carton. 15 inches for an elk, you should be good to go. And, um, th you know, that's that's it. With uh, um, So my favorite gun, to answer your question, 300 Win Mag still is. I have one up in, in, in Montana. I need to get hunting again. Haven't done it this year. Doubt I will, but if anyone's listening that ha has something I can't miss, <laughs> can't miss the trip, I, I believe me, I can miss. Um, we'll get into that. And then someone asked me, too, how did I get into sharks, which is a good question because we don't have a – large shark population in Montana because Montana is um, what we call landlocked. So unless you, there's a lake though, get a load of this. There's a lake. I, so I grew up in Butte. We did have a place on Georgetown Lake. So I, I was comfortable sort of in the cold water because that's at altitude. That thing still has ice on it like in May, early June. And we would water ski. Uh, so I could survive in the water, but it just you know wasn't my best. But th there's a lake in between. So it's you go past Anaconda, Montana, another brilliant little town that was one of our rivals. That's how that's how that's how big our world is. The big rivalry, you know, it wasn't Redskins Cowboys. It was uh, Anaconda Copperheads, Butte Central Maroons, and there were fights at those games. But in between Anaconda, as you're driving towards Georgetown, there's a lake in the middle called Silver Lake, and there might be this is we're talking lakefront property in Montana. There might be one, um, one cabin there, and I've never seen anyone in it. There's never anyone on the lake. Nobody ice fishes on the lake. I don't know what. They think it's haunted, and they say it's bottomless, which is awesome. Check out Silver Lake. Anyway, if there are sharks in Montana, um, they will be there. Um, but I was asked how I got into sharks. It was just, I don't know. I, I, every project I had, you know, like when you have uh, science projects, like, I, you know, I'm the kid that wakes up. You know, you had eight months to do it, but I wake up and shit, that's due today. So you can always crack open some uh, wildlife magazines, find some great whites, smack them up there and say you think what you know, and then, you know, hope you get your participation trophy. The only time I actually agree with participation trophies was in the, uh, was in the um, uh, science fair, which, you know, you got the kid, you've seen him that, that, that grabs the, 
the the styrofoam and then and then puts the coat hangers and he makes the solar system back when we had pluto that's small uh styrofoam but yeah so i i just kind of like sharks didn't care for jaws still don't jaws gave it a jaws gave sharks a bad name because like i said we're not on the list but um sharks from montana i'm from montana i did know how to hunt and uh you know we can talk how the tactics and um what i learned hunting how it helped as a navy seal and then um being a navy seal and then a sniper how it helped me when i did go back and hunt and again with preparation i spent years of training for the moment i might have to confront evil face to face in that moment you do not have time to think you have to execute that is only possible if you train often but with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket along with gas getting to the range is not as easy or as affordable as it used to be thankfully there's a new way to train with your firearm in the comfort and privacy of your own home. It's called iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and more. Even better, it costs less than a day at the range. Right now, you can save 10% plus free shipping with the offer code THEOPERATOR when you go to iTargetPro.com. When you get yours, simply download the iTarget app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and then start training iTarget comes in most calibers. That's 9mm to 2.23, so you can train with almost any firearm. This is the easiest, most cost-effective way to train, and it pays for itself in a single day. That's the letter I, targetpro.com. iTargetPro.com. Remember the offer code, the operator. So the, the hunting was good for me for a number of reasons. Uh, like I said... Uh, being in, in Butte, Montana, was you're sort of in a bubble where where you kind of grow up thinking it's almost like big fish, small pond, that I might be really good here at something, but that, you know, when I go to Arizona, someone from Phoenix might be better than me. Someone from Miami might be bigger and tougher. The guys from New York are tougher than me. Um, so that's kind of your bubble. You don't quite know yet that most of us are the same. Most of us have a lot in common. What we had in Montana that I didn't realize until I started actually running in buds was that I, you know, I grew up at altitude. I think about 5,000 feet, which the air is thinner, which you're getting less oxygen, so you need to breathe harder. It's harder. Like, even when I go home now to Montana, I'll walk up a set of stairs and be like, what the shit, man? I, I, you know, you're at altitude. And again, I knew that from Afghanistan, but growing up uh, in, in Butte, Montana, hunting in the hills, I was getting in pretty good cardiovascular shape. Plus, I did get a a year uh, playing at Montana Tech, um, right by the Big M, and 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 uh, Coach Rick Dessing was the head coach, and and Mark Amaral was the assistant coach. Uh, another guy I need to interview for for fun stories. But like when when I first got to my first day of college basketball, the wind sprints, the the line drills, the all the the conditioning. That's the worst I ever felt. Uh, I I didn't condition shit in high school. Uh, college we did, and then we'd, we would run to the M. The big M is a mountain in the, not a, eh, whatever. Uh, it's a peak, uh, and there's a big M on it. Uh, it's kind of a thing around Montana. They'll put that, well, anyway, we would run up to that. Maybe not every day, but every other day. You run up, touch the top, run back. Uh, that's getting you in shape right there. And, and to the point where if we can make training so hard, the game's going to be easy, which is true. Just work your ass off, and the harder it gets, the better you get. Um, and so that's one advantage I have. The, the other advantage was I didn't swim. I didn't know how to swim because I told you about Georgetown Lake, ice in the summer, F that. Put on a life jacket, get in quickly. If you're going to wa – we water skied at the time. There wasn't wakeboarding. So you basically sit on the dock, have them pull you out and up because you don't want to fall in. It's just really, really cold. Um, so that was an advantage that I had that I didn't know. But then what I've been asked is, is fr from younger guys is, is uh, going to buds or going to – ranger school or to be a green beret to to join uh, special operations in uh, the you know join the marine corps uh, or air force um, special operations what what should we do to get ready and i've covered this before the first thing you shouldn't do is get cold to get used to it because you just don't um i love okay i love the ice baths they've been getting very very popular and i'm a huge fan of the ice bath for recover recovering because in an ice bath Basically, if you can survive the first minute, you're good. You're going to get so numb in an ice bath, it doesn't matter. But you don't really get ready for the suck. Like, I don't care how many ice baths or how good your poker face is. You know it's going to suck. But you see guys do it. There's studs on the internet that do it. Wonderful for recuperating. Probably nothing better. Um, but, do, you know, don't do the cold shower bull. I mean, no. Not to say that. There are 
people out there that say in the morning, and I agree with this, take a cold shower to like boom to start your day off. It gets the endorphins and shit running. I love that. I don't do that anymore because fuck that. I like a warm shower. I'll I'll wake up with coffee, you know, whatever. But um, you're not going to get used to the suck. I don't, I don't think. Anyway, um, what you should be doing, and what I started doing is I did go to uh, my recruiter after he convinced me <laughs> to join the Navy. His name was John Judy. He was a chief. Great guy. I might have mentioned him before. He actually, uh, he actually donated to my foundation, Special Operators Transition Foundation, SOTF.org. That's the foundation I started to transition from special operations to the private sector, and I'll talk about that later. Um, but he gave me a thing called the Bud's Warning Order, and it basically, I still have mine, and I'll find it. I'll get pictures of it. And I kept the times of, of the, the push-ups, pull-ups, swim and run, and I, I kept my card for Montana Tech. They had a pool there, and that's where I <laughs> sort of learned how to swim. My friend Mike Driscoll showed me, and then my friend Jim McBride, who's, who's a Marine, retired Marine, showed me how to do it. But it, it had the run times, and what I figured, and this worked out, just worked out to be well, worked out to be good, was from my house to the stoplight at my cousin Joe's house was a mile. And so what I started doing was running that first mile. I, you want to be, for the tests in Buds, I think the, the, you need to be able to run in sand um, four miles at a 7.30 pace. So I figured if I could get mine down to a six-minute, 6.30 pace, a mile at a time. So I'm talking run a mile in six minutes, ideally. But time it, see how fast you're going. Take a minute, <coughs> collect yourself, run another mile, and get fast. You want to be able to, to keep up a good pace. And running is, I mean, there's technique. Um, but running is hard. Swimming is technique. Um, but if you can get that your cardio down to where you're running, um, a good pace, good. And do not start running in boots. Run in tennis shoes, on pavement. Now, having said that, that's how I think you get your cardio. You'll get it this way, too. Learn the process of how to run in boots on sand, and you can find sand a lot of places. You don't necessarily need to be on a beach. You can find sand in hills, on dunes, something like that. Learn there's a different technique, and it's more of a flat-footed technique in how to run in sand. Learn how to run in sand. Don't run in boots on the, on the hard pack sand or the pavement. You're going to get time for that. Don't kill your shins. Don't kill your knees. They will kill them for you. And then also just get good at, at, um, at calisthenics. Like, um, get good at pull-ups. For God's sake, get good at pull-ups. Be able to do, if you can, however many pull-ups you can do now, be able to do 10 more in two months. And then after that, be able to do 20 more. And the way you get better at pull-ups is by doing pull-ups. It's that simple. And if you get so good at pull-ups, you can do so many in a row, Get weight and put weight. Get a weighted vest. Find something that's weighted. Put a weight between your knees. Tie some uh, uh, some kind of a tubular nylon around a 45 plate and then start doing pull-ups with that and then get into a 45 with a 25 and then do two 45s. Get better at that. Push-ups. Push-ups and pull-ups. Push-ups and pull-ups. And then core. Do a lot of good core stuff. Planks are great. Um, you know, strengthen up your uh, hip flexors. With flutter kicks. Don't kill your hip flexors. You pop one of those, you're fucked. Watch your knees and fucking stretch. Stretch it out. Find out the stretches where you can open your hips. Stretch out your uh, your hammies. Don't pull a hammy. Uh, and stretch out your ass. Keep that shit loose. Touch your toes. Stretch. A lot of people will say, no, you don't need to stretch. Yes, you do. Core, stretch, pull-ups, push-ups. Run fast in shoes on pavement. Learn how to run in sand. Keep doing that. Um, you know, and diet, obviously, and I'm not a dietitian, but, you know, eat well. I was like, I, <laughs> I worked at McDonald's. I ate McDonald's. My, you know what my dessert was when I worked at McDonald's was, um, I used to, you know, obviously you, 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 you make quarter pounders of cheese and do whatever, or as my dad calls them, a quarter cheese pounder. But my, uh, we used to, I don't know how they do it now, but back in the day you would deep fry chicken nuggets made out of pure chicken ish. And they, they had this, uh, they had a fry, or not fry, they had a, uh, a nugget drawer like you put, that keeps them warm. And you can pull it, like you can be walking. I used to work the counter because I'm, I'm a people person. People like me. I'm easy to talk to, especially at, you know, 15 when I started there. But walking from there back to the break room, um, you could open the, the chicken nugget drawer and grab you a nugget. And I would actually, uh, and I still do this to this day, keep some McDonald's barbecue sauce handy. But what I found out was a good treat, a very healthy, nutritious treat is, and you can try this, um, get some McDonald's cheese. And if you don't have McDonald's cheese, the closest thing is like um, 
like the craft singles, which is if you look, it's not cheese, it's cheese product. But like get it, you know, get one of those bad boys and half eat it, which means that's you have enough for two nuggets. Wrap a half of that cheese around the nugget, dip that shit in honey. Mm. Not only is it good for your cardio, it is excellent for your blood glucose, which it is not. But uh, that was my diet. Get your diet right. That's how you get ready for buds and, and you'll keep a positive attitude, right? So we've talked about buds. We've talked about what we do in buds. Uh, buds sucks, but um, <laughs> some of the, the, the input I got was people wanted to hear more about uh, buds to seal team two pre-trident. So I'll tell you some. Uh, some stuff that's not in the books. They don't. They don't give awards out for stuff like this. So when I, you know, I we graduated buds during my pipeline. We went to. We drove to um, to Fort Benning, Georgia, and to work with the Army. My first time with the Army was airborne. Uh, from so you get your lead sleds. I've talked about that. Your five jumps. Then you go up to SEAL Team Two. I mentioned that earlier. You check in, and then. There's a waiting period, so they don't. It wasn't as smart as it is now. It wasn't as streamlined as it is now, where you go through buds, then you go to SQT, SEAL qualification training, where you actually get your NEC as an SO, a SEAL operator, and NEC is your job, and uh, you get everything: static line, free fall. I guess they have a kick-ass winter warfare phase up at Kodiak, and I've not been to that course. I heard it's awesome. I'm gonna get McBee on this course. <coughs> I'm sorry, on this podcast with me and uh, we will talk about the winter warfare but then you get your trident at a ceremony then you check into your seal team with a trident when i um went through you you go to airborne you go to seal team two nobody gives a fuck about you and then you have to wait for a class called seal tactical training so there's a, a brief time period in between where you're just there and then you go, you're waiting for an STT class, so there's nothing to do with you. This is when I learned, and this is key in life. I'm not teaching you how to be a slacker, but this works. Out of sight, out of mind. If you're there, someone can fuck with you. Do not ever in life talk your way into an ass whooping. You can do it. When it's time to shut up, shut up. Uh, and, and what did they say Navy stands for? Never again volunteer yourself. Whatever. Um, but uh, I, I was volunteering because I had heard that, hey, if you just show that you're volunteering, you can do whatever. And there would be courses. There was uh, um, the breacher course they were going through, and I volunteered to help because I'll get a kick-ass class. I get to sit through it. I won't get the qual, but I'll, you know, I'll sit through a breaching course, which was true for the first five minutes until they needed shit cleaned up. And you have to go on a beer run or grab uh, uh, sandwiches or McDonald's because we're up at Fort Ape. No. Um, what shit is one of them in Virginia I forget I'll think of it later I'm sure they're renaming it anyway so it's probably um camp who's your daddy or whatever um but I went up there and it was you know whatever I'm waiting to class up here's the part I wanted to get into when I checked into SEAL Team 2 I was PR3 so air crew survival men air crew survival equipment men third class meaning I'm an E4 unmarried so I didn't get what they call BAH, which is basic allowance for housing, which means the Navy will pay you more to get a house. And if you get a couple dudes who make that um, BAH, you can, you can, you know, room up. And I know dudes that checked in, they each got it, so they've got a three-bedroom ki three kick-ass apartment right next to Hoopla's, which is smart. But I, w I didn't qualify for it because you qualify for it as an E5, not as an E4, Unless you're married, which is what a lot of people did. There are people to this day that get married right out of boot camp. And here's some advice for you young people, men and women. Don't fucking do that. Don't just get married for the extra, what sounds like a ton of money at the time. I don't know what it is. Don't do it. It's ridiculous. So I didn't. So um, <laughs> in exchange for not getting BAH, uh, they let me live in the barracks, the Navy barracks at Little Creek. And in exchange for not having an apartment to live in, I got a chow hall card. So I could eat at the chow hall, which, by the way, is not a bad gig now that I look back on it. Because you get all your, you know, what are your four food groups? Bacon, bean, lard, and whiskey at the chow hall. But we also had a bowling alley right there. And you can get a 40 for like two bucks. I, I remember at the time, uh, I would go over there, get a 40. But I also had to walk to SEAL Team 2 until one of my friends got a car. Like we lived there. There was three of us in uh, uh, joining. Like, so you had a uh, barracks with two twin beds, and then your buddies with two twin beds, you share a shitter. So there's like, uh, you know, doors connected, and you, your friends are over there. And we also, what was fun is we had three 
uh, not quite SEALs, but Bud's graduates in four beds. So we rotated out a Navy dude every now and then, which is fun. I mean, you know, it's, we're all eating shit at this point. We're all in the Navy. It all sucks. And uh, like it got to the point where we'd go to work. You work out every day and uh, you do your thing do your training stuff or whatever, not in a platoon, not at STT, and then walk home until someone gets a car, and then, uh, and then it, maybe you, can, you can't afford anything anyway, so you go to the chow hall. You, you walk, you, there's a McDonald's nearby, like chow hall, McDonald's. Um, and then you know, when you get bored, you're looking for a little excitement. You, you can walk, which is across the street from McDonald's, was uh, the Navy Exchange, everyday low prices, you know, your family store. Uh, go in there, get your odds and ends. Uh, just you know, learning Navy shit, seeing people there. I don't even think there was a food court there. There might have been, whatever. You, but they did have a dry cleaner too. You can do that. And then, like the Marines lived there. The Marine Corps band was there, which was actually pretty impressive. Um, they're good. Then their headquarters was there. Like you'd walk, we'd walk down the bowling alley. There, there's a base gym. You didn't need it unless you didn't want to go to um, all the way to SEAL Team Two to use their gym. But yeah, that was it. You know, live in the barracks. I had two buddies that lived uh, right down the. Right down the way, Navy guys. Uh, I still talk to one of the guys. We on the back of the whiskey bottle. There was the they went through the family tree of the Beam family. So I started calling him Booker. He called me the Colonel, which is pretty funny. And I actually got my certificate. I'm I'm a bona fide uh, Kentucky Colonel, which is funny. But yeah, I hang out with Navy guys. We lived on the I want to say the second floor. I've driven past that barracks before. Like what in the world? Young though, 20 years old, 20 21. Sorry, because if we were buying Beam, had to be. And one of the guys that lived there, he. Uh, it was like from the movie Reality Bites where uh, she had her dad's gas card. And, like, they came up to Lelena in Reality Bites. And the dude was like, Lelena, if we promise to uh, pay you back, will you spot us a pizza? And she pulled out the gas card. And the friend goes, we're going to eat gas. But, no, they went to the gas station and they, um, they bought food on the gas card. So that's what we would do. His dad gave him a gas card. And we'd go to the package store at the Navy Exchange because the prices were everyday low. Um, so w- that was that. And we would uh, – my friend eventually – his last name was Lamb. And he got a charger, so obviously the lamb charger. So now we could take that to work. He was a SEAL teammate. Uh, Creed showed up, and he had a van that he drove, I want to say, from Bend, Oregon to Bud's to jump school to SEAL Team 2. His last name was Creed. So obviously, you know, we had the lamb charger with Creed. We had the REO Creed wagon. Uh, that was that, and then basically we're doing our thing until we can afford to get BAH to eventually move out. And uh, go to Hoopla's, which, you know, we eventually did. We, I don't know how we t- – you had to get, like, a special request shit through SEAL Team 2 as an E4. And I wasn't making E5 until I get capped because uh, that was back when you had to take the test, uh, the Navy test, as a PR to advance. And then you have to compete with other PRs who actually know what they're doing. And I didn't. Uh, waited for BAH. Uh, BAH, hang out at the barracks with uh, me, the Colonel Booker, the Lamb Charger, uh, yeah, so that's what we did. And then, and then in every day at, at SEAL Team 2, they, I was asked about what are the regimens, uh, the workouts. And at, at uh, SEAL Team 2 was very strict. We, we'd have the, the – we call it the circle jerk every day, the circle jerk PT on Monday, where you do the, the calisthenics, the pull-ups, the stretching, which is important. Then you do like a base tour, which is a four-mile run around the base, come back, shower up the gut truck or the roach coach. I saw a guy get in trouble one time, the Navy Exchange Mobile Canteen, and over the 1MC, which is the one you hear people – pipe up about um when you know if an admiral shows up you'll hear uh admiral arriving shit like that but you got to be professional on that navy seals aren't that professional all the time if you can imagine and some dude that got in trouble for uh, an alcohol related incident was on the quarter deck watch and the the gut truck pulled up and he comes out on the thing he's like uh attention the seal team two area the roach coach has made its approach (laughs) so that was funny until the cmc and the xo came screaming at him so just you know you're supposed to say the navy Exchange Mobile Canteen is in the area, not the Roach Coaches made its approach. Um, yeah, so the Circle Jerk PT on Monday, the two-mile swim, rain or shine, sleet or snow, uh, two-mile ocean swim, and that bus ride from SEAL Team 2 to Lesnar Bridge, hilarious. Some of the best. Never lose your sense of humor. The best humor comes in the darkest places. The bus ride was awesome. The swim sucked balls. Wednesday was fun because um, you got to do the O-Course. Run to the O-Course, Circle Abs PT there. Three small O-courses, big loop around, three small O-courses, back to team two, shower up, gut truck. And then Thursday, I think, Thursday was underwater hockey, I think. And I'm pretty sure Navy SEALs invented that. And underwater hockey, basically, you take a brick, and it's on the bottom of the pool, and you play hockey underwater without scuba scuba gears. Um, I don't know how we haven't had more shallow water blackouts. When you're working out with uh, weights underwater, um, have a safety swimmer who's not on the sauce. 
in case shit happens. Like you, you black out underwater. You're just you're you're begging for some shitty to happen. And then Friday was Friday was fun. Uh, it was always a long run, um, followed by a swim in the summertime, which is fun. You run through State Park down to the boardwalk and then swim. Um, Swim the boardwalk when the weather's nice, beautiful out there. Love swimming in there. Even though, you know, I eventually got good at swimming. We had great swimmers there. We had dudes that could outswim people with fins without fins. They were, they were fun to watch. Then you get on the bus, and it's a ride back to SEAL Team 2. Uh, crack open the beer because it's half day on, on Friday. Um, everyone wants to be a frogman on Friday, especially when the sun's still out. And that was our routine at SEAL Team 2 until STT. Did all that jazz. Uh... Puerto Rico for the first time, which is a hoot. I'm going to tell some Puerto Rico stories when we're not being recorded. Uh, never, I had a, a sailor one time tell me, a, a, a salty old Navy sailor, never fall in love with your first port. My first port was Puerto Rico. Had a blast. <clears throat> Jose, Chicken Jose's. And then uh, up to AP Hill, Land War for all that stuff. Uh, Trident. Um, and then off to the races, USS Austin. Uh, one more sea story about the Austin. And if I'm repeating myself, just hit fast forward or just listen to the whole thing. You know, I need the ratings. Daddy's got to pay the bills. Um, uh, in Buds, I always noticed um, there really is never a quitter. No one ever quits. It's always, well, the instructor didn't like me. Or they hated me. They're out to get me. Or, or you know, I beat up an instructor. No one ever quit. A lot of guys quit. Um, if you quit, that's Okay. If you fail, that's okay. At least you try. I mean, I don't, I'm not recommending quitting. If you're at Bud, something like that, it's not for you. You tried. You didn't make it, but admit it if you quit. Don't live a lie forever. You quit, fine, boom. If you, if you got kicked out, fine. Just don't tell me. I, look, and don't lie to me if you're a SEAL. I know. I'm going to know. They're going to know. I'm not going to lie to you about, you know, you know what, is, what is that saying? Hey, I'm trying to do a job up here. I don't, I don't fuck with you when you're mowing or whatever. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I met, I was on the USS Austin and if I told this, forgive me, but, uh, it's the first quitter I truly ever met. Um, I'm, I was eating like mid rats, which is the mid midnight meal on a ship, by the way, on a USS Austin in a mobile amphibious ready group at 1am, you're not getting the top of the line chow. It's not like fucking Guy Fieri came in there and he's, you know, taking your boat to Flavortown. <laughs> you're eating shit. Uh, usually rice with gravy, which growing up in Montana was fine. We put gravy on rice. Delicious, by the way. Um, and I'm sitting there at this thing, and I, for some reason I have my flight suit on. I got, I got to try it, and I'm at, at my first platoon, Bravo platoon. And uh, I'm wearing this thing, and uh, this young, uh, young dude, I'm talking E2, uh, dungarees, dunga jams, back before everyone was cool and had, uh, had camis. Uh, they were dungarees. And I, I'll tell you what, man, the way fashion goes, dungarees would be the shit right now. Those bell bottoms and the kick-ass blue button down, that navy hat that says recruit. God, I have one of those. I should have brought it up. Uh, anyway, so he asked if he could sit with me, and I'm like, you know, it's kind of empty, darling. Have a seat. And he did, and he's he's eating his his gravy rice or whatever. And he goes, uh, oh, you're you're a SEAL, huh? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I went to Bud's. I'm like, no shit, huh? You didn't make it through? You know? I said, what happened? And he goes, I quit. I said, really? Why'd you quit? And he looked down at his rice, looks at me, and goes, I don't know. I lost my hoo Every episode we talk about preparation. Preparation. A report recently came out that, the American household net income dropped by over $6 trillion just in the second quarter of this year. That's the most on record. Were you prepared? What are you going to do to prepare for what's coming next? Take my advice. Protect your financial future with gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver or, if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. I've been all over the planet, and there was one universal currency that is always of value, and that is gold. Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry. Five-star with TrustLink, AAA rated with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. So go to protectwiththeoperator.com and get up to $2,500 of free silver on a qualified purchase when you tell them the operator sent you. Or give them a call at 844-790-9191. That's 844-790-9191. We can't control the Biden administration, but we can prepare for the consequences of their policies. So go to protectwiththeoperator.com. That's protectwiththeoperator.com. Or give them a call at 844-790-9191.
But you know, what did I what did I learn hunting uh, that got me ready for the Navy? And then what did I learn as a SEAL that got me ready for hunting? Uh, what I learned, it sounds silly though, um, as a SEAL is uh, have water, be sure you can hydrate, bring some food, plan for contingency. Um, you know, I learned also you don't need to you don't when you start walking, start humping up the hill or whatever. You want to walk cold. Don't walk warm. Walk cold. Um, because you're going to sweat, get you know, get, get the heat off you, and as soon as you sit down and stop, then you can, uh, you can put your shit back on. Carry a ground pad too, because the 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 ground's what's going to suck the heat right out of you. Small ground pad, hydrate, um, you know, binos in your gun, a um, couple bullets on that too. In in uh, what I learned overseas is the best teacher is experience, and 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 I I actually started off carrying too many bullets. I thought I thought. Um, around every corner is going to be a bad guy in a gunfight. And, you know, a lot of infantry Marines might disagree with me. They carry a lot of shit because they're getting in day, daytime fights and stuff. You know, we had assets uh, as far as uh, um, helicopters, close air support. Marines didn't always have that. But, you know, when we went after um, the lone survivor, after they shot down Turbine 3-3 and we're, we're hiking through the, through the hills, I, I think I carried 10 mags, nine on my chest and one in my gun, 10 mags total. And it turned out to be way too many. Um, the most... I've ever shot in a gunfight was a mag and a half, um, but again, I'm not I'm not doing covering fire. I stopped humping the pig at SEAL Team Two, carrying the sixty, the belt fed, and uh, I'm not I'm not um, I'm not trying to put heads down with my with my shots. You know, you want to hit, hit hit what you're aiming at, and anything worth shooting is worth shooting twice. But streamline your shit, you know, and depending on where you're going, um, you know, we designed our gear different ways. No, if we're going to do visit, board, search, and seize, which is the VBSS climbing a caving ladder, you don't necessarily want mags right here. And if you do, you want them covered with something because you don't want to get caught up on the on the um, on the hike up the ladder when you're climbing the ladder. Don't don't have something catch you because you're 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 working your way, you know. Everything with learning, you're going to climb a ladder with your feet. Don't climb it with your arms. Keep your arms in tight and climb with your legs. Your legs are going to get up, get you up there. So streamline your shit. Hydrate. Have your water. A lot of guys carry Camelbacks, with the, which is uh, which is soft cell, if you would. Like so, a Camelback is the, the hydration pack on your back with a straw, which is great. However, if you pop it, you're out of water and you're wet, and that sucks. Uh, I would carry uh, um, canteens are great. I carried an algae bottle. I could put it in a in a in a, in a canteen pouch or, you know, whatever pouches. And carry, I would carry a, an algae. And even we got to a point, like, in Iraq, um, we're going to do, a, if we're doing a long offset somewhere else, like, guys would freeze those huge uh, Iraqi uh, bottles of water, put a lanyard on it, and you drink that on the way in, and you carry your hard cell, uh, or whatever you call it, the hard container of water. As soon as you're getting ready to fight, you chug the, it was ice, you froze it overnight, you drink it all, chuck it, now you're ready to fight, you, you're hydrating. So, uh, uh, but, you know, limit your stuff. You don't need to be the cool guy carrying everything. You know, I stopped carrying a pistol because it's just too much weight. I don't need that weight, and I'm not clearing, uh, clearing well, I mean, you might clear a small room, but, you know, the transition drill, when you go from your primary to your secondary, I learned that by the, if your primary goes down, by the time you reach for your secondary, I hope your buddy already killed so I, I stopped carrying stuff like that, stuff that's extra weight because um, ounces and pounds uh, and pounds, will, uh, they'll weigh you down. So just the limited stuff. Try to make everything as light as you can. And then, you know, we went from like the drop holster to get it, getting it up high on your, on your belt because you don't want that, uh, those leg straps weighing you down. Uh, when you're driving a, a car, I, we, we modified it so you get a holster in your chest because you're not going to be able to draw from the hip when you can get out right out here if you need a... Um, a pistol, but it's all mission dependent. What do you need where? Um, and you can learn this. I, you know what I learned um, was by looking at other guys. Because I never considered myself a gear hound, but I know guys that were. I know guys that got out and got into the gear stuff. And I would, I would, uh, I would mimic them. I, I find a guy at the range that has a good, a good draw and ask him what he's doing. Where are his points of speed and where are his points of precision? I was fortunate, and along along with a lot of this has comes humility. Like, if you're the toughest guy in the room, you're in the wrong fucking room. Smartest guy in the room, same thing. I was fortunate, especially at the SEAL Team 6 level, because every day I got to wake up and go to work with people who were better than me. And don't undermine people that are outperforming you. Do the opposite. Find out what they're doing. What is your routine? How do you wear your gear? And then it's mission-dependent. Like I said, you're going to... You're going to uh, dress differently for a, a hike up the Rocky Mountains for an elk than you are to, to be in a deer stand for a whitetail. So just, you know, what makes sense? Do you have, um, can you sustain yourself in case you're stuck? Can you stay warm? Do you know how to light a fire um, if you need to? And do you have food? Can you get out? Do you have a compass? 
Do you know how to use a compass and a map? Do you know where the fuck you are? Because what if the GPS doesn't work? Do a map study. You know, stuff like that. Be prepared. <laughs> um, what are the five Ds in dodgeball? Dodge, dive, dip, duck, and dodge or something like that. Just be prepared for what you're doing. Get in. I stole that, obviously, from Dodgeball. Great movie. Another classic movie that you can watch all the time. But um, adjust. Don't be afraid to readjust. And, and um, you know, where are you, um, where are you carrying your stuff? Does it make sense? Um, you know, on the shotgun for breaching, carry the shells on the extra shells on the shotgun, fit as many as you can in the pipe, one in the chamber, and then, uh, and then, um, you know, some on the side or whatever. Uh, and a shotgun's great too. Like, you know, I get, I'm rambling here, but I get asked about home defense. What do you have for home defense? Um, and, uh, I pump action shotgun. I may have brought this up, but that's a deterrent. Nothing else sounds like a shotgun. We were professional house breaker inners slash people hunters. We did it a lot, and we did it really well, hundreds of times. And I'm talking friends with our, uh, our assault rifles and our EOTEX and our fucking lasers and our, uh, and, and our night vision. If I came into a house as a professional and I hear the enemy clack a shotgun, I'm fucking leaving because nothing sounds like that. So a shotgun's good. Did you see that video of the dude online? Uh, dude came in with like a, an AR-15. An AR does not stand for assault rifle, but, it, you know, elections are here and you can get over that. Anyway, dude came in with like an AR-15 and he had some sort of sight. And he said, to, I guess the 80-year-old the, the shop owner heard him coming and so he got a shotgun ready. And dude comes in and says, put your hands up. And he did. And he put his shotgun up and blasted the guy. And the dude, like, and everyone panics. Like all three of these robbers, they're running to the car. You can hear him screaming, ah, I shot my arm off. So that's, you know, get a shotgun. You'll be good with that. Uh, but, yeah, streamline your gear, home defense, shotgun, get your concealed carry. Um, be, you know, because, uh, uh, the, you know, the best way to be safe with guns is to learn how to use them, learn about them. Uh, I like safes in your house, too, yes. But uh, like I was mentioning before, if you don't have it on you, you don't have it. Um, the best way to, to, for kids to be safe with guns is show them where they are, teach them how to use them, and tell them you don't use these because you reduce the chance of your kid pointing it at his friend and not knowing what it is. You know, gun safety, it's the whole, you could, you could, you could grab an M60, like what I was saying, humping the pig, and it's, a, it's an open bolt firing automatic machine gun, which, you know, you talk, hear these politicians talking, like, yeah, this every round has six clips and a magazine, and you can shoot it, and the AR shoots ten times faster than a regular gun, and, and it's, and when does a deer have a, whatever. Okay, open bolt, automatic. Automatic means you pull, or they say in the manual, depress the trigger. It will maintain, it will keep shooting a cyclic rate of fire until you stop pulling the trigger. Um, it's an automatic assault right, machine gun that you can't have in the States. Here's my spiel on gun safety. You could put an M60 on the ground, put the rounds, lock the hammer back, I mean the, the, the bolt back, and put it on fire, and then, like, slam, don't slam it when it's on fire. You know what I'm saying. Safety first. No, safety comes in cans. I can, you can, and we can. But you could put it there, sit, put an M60 down on fire with, with a, a, a bullet ready to rock and roll and a belt-fed gun with 100 rounds. And if no one touches it, it's not going off for 10,000 years. It's, you know, it's not the gun. It's, it's the, the dude behind the gun. When I said we grew up hunting in Montana, we had guns in our trucks. Some guys brought their guns into school. Because I might go hunting at lunch. Um, then we didn't kill each other because the guns aren't the problem. It's the evil behind it. I mean, part of my whole process about this, too, and, and again, I, you know, I don't want to get into this, but it's, um, you know, it's, it, it's the person behind it. It's the evil behind it. It's, it, it, you know, m maybe it's the uh, people are too desensitized with the, this uh, first-person shooter games. Maybe we're so used to killing cartoon characters that even some of the some of the uh, um, school shooters, mass shooters, have admitted that survived, and I don't know how they survived. That wasn't my team. But uh, they, they, they've interviewed them, and, and the, the shooters said it wasn't real until I killed that first person. And then they just kept killing people because that's what they're supposed to do. So there's a lot of evil behind it, a lot of intent, bad parenting, that whole number. But we're not going to go into that right now. Um, again, I'm going to... Um, some, some things I was asked about on Instagram, which is fun. I was asked about the beard thing. And someone asked me, uh, why did uh, special forces have beards? Uh, the Army SF have beards in Afghanistan, not Iraq. I don't know. Um, we had beards at first in Afghanistan. And we didn't have beards because, like, I'm not going to blend. Um, I, I, if, we go, if we invade Scotland, I might be able to pretend I'm from Scotland without speaking. But we don't blend in. But it's for the far recognition. 
Uh, someone's and if someone local, like if you're trying to talk to locals and you don't have a beard in Afghanistan, they it would be weird to them. So just look like you blend a little bit or act like you've been there. Far recognition when you're rolling up in the man jammies, but you also have the Newman gloves and the uh, and your uh, uh, four sixteen. As you're running in, you're gonna you're gonna catch them slipping, and that you know sometimes a second is all you need. So the uh, the beard thing, I don't know. Uh, someone asked me too, um, how did I get the nickname Black Rob? I don't know. I didn't, but I don't know. How did you get to that? Because I haven't heard Black Rob. My nickname was Nizro, N-S-R-O, Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill. And that was simply because when I walked into the Trident, there was a dude, that just, there was a guy that I worked with a red team. He just wanted to yell, what up, my Nizro? So I was Nizro. I don't know, Black Rob. Um, I've been asked about uh, funny stories on Target. Uh, I'll tell more of those in, in the next time. There's, there's a lot of humor there, a lot of stuff. Um, that you don't think would happen uh, happens, and it's it's pretty funny. Um, I'll get into those when we have more time because there's so many of them. But um, yeah, there's a few that come to mind. And then another one too. Uh, I was I was asked about uh, my first kill and PTSD and stuff that comes with that. I don't want to necessarily get into my first kill right now. The feelings there again. That's a much deeper episode. We can make a whole episode out of. Uh, first kill, getting used to killing, and then post-traumatic stress. Also that you don't need to have been to combat to have post-traumatic stress. We've all been through traumatic shit, and it's real. And, uh, the, you know, the key is just just talking. Talk, talk to someone about it. If you're having a good day, call someone. If you're having a bad day, call someone. They're having a good day, maybe. So that's real. But what I want to talk about, because this happened recently, I don't want to talk about my first kill. I want to talk about my last kill. And it wasn't a person. Um, we had a big old bug. It was like a hybrid of a cricket slash grasshopper slash noisemaker, but like like arachnid legs. This thing was hoppy hopperson around the house. And so my job in the house, I, I got to kill the bugs. So um, <laughs> this thing is there, and my wife Jessica sees it, and she's like, all right, your job is to kill the bug. I'm like, I got it. So I'm looking for, I want bug spray because I want an advantage. I want a tactical advantage. I want to get the, I'm looking for the base and the, and the maneuver, but my first base is to spray this motherfucker, slow him down, then I can get, but we don't have bug spray. I guess we're out. And so I'm walking around and Jess is excited. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I can do this. I'll figure something out. So what I did, I went upstairs and grabbed some stuff and she's waiting down and she wants to watch this. I came down, I decided um, I had a, a high power flashlight I had a handheld vacuum and like a dirty towel, and I'm walking over towards this this man-sized bug. <laughs> I said, Jessica, get upstairs. I got this. She goes, How are you gonna do this? And I and I, it's between the bug. The only thing between the bug eating my wife is me. And I said, Jess, go upstairs. Sometimes justice is served. You just don't need to see what it looks like. <laughs> so we talk a lot about mastering the basics. Here's one for you. We got a bit of a math problem. Only 2% of Americans are farmers, yet 100% of us eat. That's why an eighth-generation farmer founded Moink. So you can help save the family farm and get access to the highest quality meat on Earth. That's why I'm telling you about Moink, and that's Moo plus Oink. Moink is a meat subscription box company on a mission to fight for the family farm. They're located in rural America, run by an eighth-generation female farmer, their animals are raised humanely, their employees are paid a living wage, and the quality of their product is better than anything you'll find in a store. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon sent straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did, and as a result, Moink meat tastes like it should because the family farm does it better and the Moink difference is the difference you can taste. Unlike the supermarket, Moink gives you total control over the quality and the source of your food. You choose the meat delivered in every box, like ribeyes, chicken breasts, pork chops, to salmon fillets, and much more. Plus, you can cancel at any time. Moink is helping save the rural American farm. You'll love it. I love it. Join the Moink movement today. And they guarantee, I love this part, you will say, oink, oink, I'm just happy I got Moinked. I seriously love it. Best bacon you'll ever try. You will love it, too. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash the operator right now. And listeners of the show get a free filet in every order for a year. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. So I'll spell it for you. It's M-O-I-N-K box.com slash the operator. 
That's moinkbox.com slash the operator. Along with preparation, however, you are not going to have a good day without a good night's sleep. That's why I'm telling you about Ghost Bed. They have great, comfortable mattresses that last forever, and they're made in the USA. Every mattress has a 20-year warranty. Some even have a 25-year warranty. You can try it out for 101 nights, and if you don't like it, you can send it back with no hard feelings. One of my favorite parts about GhostBed is uh, it has cooling technology, which you usually get hot at night. Not with this. These things are a lifesaver. GhostBed also offers bundles, so you can get everything you need. You don't even really have to think about it. Just choose from one of their four mattresses, then pick your bundle. So whether you just need a mattress or a frame or you want it all, like their cooling pillows and sheets, you can get the best bang for your bucks. When you go to GhostBed.com, you'll save 40% at GhostBed.com slash drinking bros so that's ghostbed.com slash drinking bros get a good discount check out their other discounts ghostbed.com slash drinking bros but as i mentioned in the beginning the midterm elections are over as far as going to the booth there will be some contests about what happened you know people will bring in lawyers and stuff there'll be possibly some some redos, if you will. We saw some interesting things go down uh, people who have never won elections lost again stacy abrams did not win in Georgia for governor, she actually admitted this time instead of uh, widespread fraud that both sides like to say. Um, Beto O'Rourke, who can run for anything, uh, likes to skateboard, has never done anything. He wants to take your gun. He lost in Texas again, so that's he thinks he's a two-time loser for uh, governor. He lost Senate, lost for the he ran for president, but he's out. Uh, Michigan is an interesting one. Gretchen Gretchen Whitmer won again in Michigan, and she's like she's one of those people that if you're watching her on TV. Turn, turn the t- sound off, put it on mute, and watch her talk. You can see it in her eyes. Loves lockdowns, loves um, all kinds of stuff she can do to your kids. Um, but until Michigan realizes they want to change something, they're going to keep voting voting blue. Um, New York, uh, Lee Zeldin lost up there, which means uh, Kathleen Hochul won, which means Eric Adams is still the mayor of New York City, which means um, nothing's going to change. They're going to stop saying how much they support the police. They're going to keep defunding. They'll keep... Cash is bail, keep letting people out, and, and you're going to see a lot more violence in New York City. If, if Lee Zeldin wanted, they had a Republican governor, at least they might work together. I think Eric Adams has it in his heart, but uh, nothing's really going to change in New York except it's going to get worse. More people are going to move out. Cops are going to leave, go somewhere else like Florida. DeSantis won huge in Florida. Some other big ones. Rubio won huge. It's a ruby red state now. It's not blue anymore, so Florida is still the place to be. Uh, the, the, the one I uh, w- got a kick out of watching was uh, John Fetterman. Uh, he won. He beat Oz in Pennsylvania, and, uh, you know, however he won, he won. That's a guy that had a stroke, and I wish he was home recovering, but politicians don't care. As long as they can get their vote in the Senate, <clears throat> they'll put him up there. And he's, I mean, I don't wish a stroke on anyone or medical, you know, ba- bad on anybody, but this is a guy that clearly can't hear anything, doesn't know what he's talking about, and they should just give him a Ruth baby and let him sit down, but he's going to vote with Joe Biden. And now they're um, with all this good stuff um, – you know, he's, he wants to open prisons. There, you can consider the coal stuff shut down. We're not going to be energy independent for a while. And that's what uh, they want because they want to kill us with um, climate change regulations. We're going we're gonna to die from climate change regulations long before climate change gets us. The, uh, and then there's the staples. that the, the Congress is never meant to be this way. I'll get into it. If you are interested in the political system, it was never supposed to be you go to Washington and then you have a steady job forever. Um, Chuck Schumer won. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Chuck Grassley won in Iowa, which means if he serves this full term, he will be 95 years old. Uh, yeah, that's how old he is. He's the oldest guy there. Uh, hasn't lost an election in 64 years. And if you say that to yourself, something's wrong with that sentence. He's been he's been campaigning for 64 years, hasn't lost. So he won uh, his spot at uh, 89 years old. And, you know, it's going to be the same stuff. Now they're going to get into the Congress. It's pretty much it'll it'll be lame until they go on um, until they go on leave again, Christmas leave and all that stuff. They'll sign everybody back in or they swear everybody in. There's a couple new freshmen, which which will be, you know, it'll be interesting to see. But then they'll get a little work done until it's time to campaign again for the next election, which will be um, the presidential election. A lot more people will be running for reelection again. You're going to get with the campaign ends. But for now, they're stopped. I do like watching this stuff there. The Republicans who were expecting a red wave aren't getting it necessarily. And uh, they now are blaming Donald Trump. Everyone blames Donald Trump because they're saying he came out too early and said uh, he came out the other day for uh, 
a press conference, got off uh, Trump Force One, and he just did that to to troll. He wanted to he wanted to see the media there. They all were because uh, he he wanted to prove that. If you're in the media, um, you're going to be hungry because Donald Trump just ate your lunch, and that's what he does. And he's going to make another announcement Tuesday. Who knows what that, that's going to be? It will be exciting regardless of what happens. And I think if, if, Donald Trump, if Donald Trump runs this time for 2024, this time he might be mad. So it could be interesting. Maybe he just comes out and says he backs DeSantis. But DeSantis is great. Florida's great. All that nonsense is over. And um, so that's that. And I'm not going to get into it unless you guys want to. Uh, this has been going on for, since the test of time. I have some quotes here. Uh, a quote that Mark Twain said, just to think about it, because you know that you noticed even at the beginning, the voting machine started to break and they can't count some, and they're still counting and mail-in ballots and drop boxes and all that bullshit. Uh, they're still doing it. They're going to keep doing it. You know, 2022, we can zap your uh, ID somewhere. They know where you're going via GPS, and you can send a package that way. But you, they just can't quite count the votes. So it's never, it's always been shady, always has. Mark Twain's got a great uh, quote. He said about it, uh, if voting made any difference, they wouldn't let us do it, <laughs> which is pretty funny. And then um, another one, too, is uh, one of my favorite quotes is not the person who votes that counts, it's the person who counts the votes. So, you know, now we'll just get back into hunting. We'll talk about some other expeditions I've been on. I, I still want to hear from you what you would like to hear about. It's always fun getting those, and it gives me a lot of different stuff to talk about because I, I know my own stories, and um, uh, you know some of them now too, but we'll talk about more stuff. Look at, uh, at Mikuya and follow the Operator Podcast on social media, and we'll think of some good stuff to say. But, you know, at the end, don't let it get you down. A lot of this stuff is just uh, it's just talk. And nothing's really going to change except you can expect to keep paying your taxes forever, which I recommend. But, you know, with everything in life, keeping it simple, I remember some advice that I got right before Hell Week started. That's the hardest part of SEAL training was that you're about to go to war for the first time and the enemy's all your doubts, all your fears and everyone you know back home that told you you couldn't do this. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 